0: Good day, good day, Doc Spacers. You're listening to the Doc Space Startup School Podcast. Starting medical practice may seem like a dinosaur of an idea, but with the advancements of technology and the remote flexibility of care management, it's never been easier. Hi, I'm Dr. Mario Amaro. I'm a United States Navy veteran, a medical physician, and a health tech founder on a new mission to help clinicians rediscover their autonomy and bring back private medical practice. DocSpace Startup School is a virtual course that's built and designed to help clinicians navigate the medical practice formation process. In this podcast, We will interview some of the industry's leading experts in health law, design, marketing, finance, and tons of other exciting topics to help you better prepare to start and manage a successful medical practice. Welcome to the DocSpace crew. Hello, everybody. Our guest today is Dr. Mahmoud Ibrahim. He is a physical medicine and rehabilitation physician who currently owns and operates his own practice in East Brunswick, New Jersey. Dr. Ibrahim is an advocate for private practice, having provided several lectures to medical residents and fellows to help them better prepare and understand how to get into private medical practice. Today at Docs Bay Startup School, he would talk us through his journey for starting his own private practice, how he felt his residency and fellowship prepared him for private practice, and what advice he recommends for any physician interested in starting their own private practice. So we have another episode of DocSpace Startup School. We're going to be interviewing a practicing physician, Dr. Mahmoud uh, Ibrahim. He is a physician currently in private practice. Dr. Ibrahim, would you go ahead and introduce yourself?
1: Yeah, thanks for uh, having me, Mario. Um, So my name is uh, Dr. Mahmoud Ibrahim. I'm a physiatrist, that's physical medicine rehabilitation um, physician in uh, East Brunswick, New Jersey. And I have a private practice here that we've had uh, open now for it'll be three years this coming March. Um, and I've been pretty much in private practice since graduating fellowship back in 2013. Excellent. You know, it, it's really
0: great to speak with, you know, doctors who've been in practice who are actually taken that leap to start a private practice. Um, you know, we're, we're starting to see doctors, go away from it. Uh, now we, there's a stats that have shown that more hospitals or doctors are employed by hospital systems more so than private practice. It's not the norm. It's for, for the first time in a, in a long time. That's what's currently is the norm. You know, more doctors are opting for employment and there are several factors behind that, but I'm curious to know why, why did you choose private practice over the typical pipeline of, you know, employment?
1: Yeah. So for me, I mean, always, it's you know, from, um, from the get go, right. And, you know, in, during residency and in and fellowship, I, uh, I always wanted to go more of the private practice route. Um, even if I had considered like an academic, um, you know, or hospital kind of position, um, I still would have wanted to majorly focus on, on the private practice part of it, uh, which is where, you know, my fellowship was uh, kind of geared more towards, uh, which is why I, I like that fellowship. Um, and they did kind of teach you the business side of medicine a little bit, which a lot of residency programs and a lot of fellowship programs don't. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I chose it because, uh, I think it gives you a little bit more freedom to, you know, um, in terms of, you know, scheduling things, it's true, you know, when you have a family and kids and things like that. Um, and you know, it's, I, you don't have to worry about, you know, weekends for the most part, you don't have to worry about, you know, taking call. Um, obviously every practice is different, but. I think a majority of the you know private practices, especially in in PM and R, are you know pretty much nine to five, Monday through Friday kind of jobs. and uh, and that's definitely something that I was I was looking for. Yeah, that's definitely
0: something that I would say most physicians when they think about private practices that on call twenty four seven right? Uh, It's definitely specialty specific. And that does limit people from wanting to have that flexibility. I think if I am an employee, I can just walk in, see my patients, walk out, and someone else takes uh, the call coverage, and I don't have to worry about it. And I I get it from that perspective, you know, to being on 24 seven could lead to higher rates of burnout. And I think that's definitely something we're seeing. Um, Yeah, when it is, you know, specialty specific that where you do have that flexibility to be able to have the best of both worlds, you know, that is a huge bonus, but for some, maybe like primary care, um, that is not, you know, uh, an, it's not available. You really don't have access to having that on-call service because it is your own practice if you, you don't see patients money doesn't come in, the business doesn't get paid right. for, you can't maintain an actual business. So can you kind of give us a little bit of insight is when you were starting your journey, even though you do have that flexibility for your practice, what do you felt was the most difficult part of getting started?
1: Um, I think just kind of getting those re- getting those first couple of referrals in, you know, when uh, it's not so easy of just hanging a shingle on your, you know, on your door and be like, all right, come on, you know, patients, come on in, <laughs> I'm open. Um, it's, uh, you know, you got to do a lot of marketing, you know, before you even open up your doors for the very first time, it's just, you know, getting your name out there, you know, meeting the primary care doctors, especially, you know, in a, in a specialty like this, um, you got to go out, you got to meet the, you know, the referring doctors, the primary care doctors, physical therapists, chiropractors, surgeons, um, and, uh, that's, you know, and then just getting your name out there and basically changing those people's referral patterns because, you know, a lot of these people have been around for many years, And they're just, you know, they know they have their go-to guy and that's who they send all their patients to. Um, And then, so, you know, you have this new doctor coming into the area and uh, they don't really know you. They don't, you know, they don't know about your, you know, how good you are. Um, And it's, you got to prove it to them, you know? So um, it's, you know, getting those first couple patients in the door and then having those patients go back out and tell them, yeah, no, that doctor you sent me to was great. I love him. He's, you know, I I referred my my friends and family to him. Um, And then, you know, once those referring doctors hear that feedback, then they're like oh this guy's actually good let me send him some more patients um, but i think that's probably the hardest part of right of a private practice is is getting started you know with those first initial patients um, even now i mean 3 years later you know we're still you know you got to keep up with it you know all the time because if you don't someone else is going to come in and they're going to you know and some of those referral patterns are going to change again so um, it's just something you have to just constantly stay on top of. And, and I see it all the time with, with my schedule when, you know, when our marketing schedule drops a little bit, so does my, so of my new patient volume. So you just have to always be on top of it.
0: Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely good information because what you're saying is, is that if you're not tracking, you know, the analytics of your, of your own patients that are, you know, being utilized or at least being acquired from your own efforts that you're putting in from the referral channels or even the marketing that you're doing yourself, um, you're seeing that reflected in your actual scheduling every single month, right? right. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. You know? And and so yeah, I definitely agree. That is one of the biggest things uh, that we hear from doctors who are interested in starting their practice is that how are you going to get patients? You know, how do I get patients? Um, the whole build it they would come thing. We all know that's not true. And especially mm-hmm. in today's world of retail medicine, uh, we're a lot more. There are more offerings to patients than they were once before by multiple different entities that normally didn't offer that type of service. Right. And uh, I'm curious to know how, how is that impacting the, your own market share when it comes to other players moving into the healthcare space uh, when it comes to, I guess you would say impeding on your referral process that you originally had set.
1: Yeah. So uh, initially our pack, the way our practice was set up is we had physical therapy, chiropractic and, um, and physiatry all under one roof. Um, And that's the way, you know, this, this company started, you know, back in 2009, they you know, they had multiple offices and that's how every single office was set up. When we opened up East Brunswick, uh, back in 2017, uh, you know, we had, we built out this huge 7,000 square foot area for the, for the physical therapy space. And I, you know, I started out with one physical therapist, one chiropractor, and I just, I couldn't get them busy no matter what I did. You know, I was busy up here, but a lot of my referrals were coming in from physical therapists and from chiropractors. So obviously I couldn't steal those patients and, and burn those bridges. So, you know, I had a hard time getting my my physical therapist, my chiropractor busy. Um so we ended up, you know, kind of pivoting and we sold off PT and Cairo, and now I just strictly do, you know, the pain management and physiatry side of things and you know, and uh and in and in the end I ended up getting a lot more referrals in because now I'm referring all my PT and Cairo out and so I'm getting more of those referrals back in. So, it's you kind of have to look at your area and and kind of see, "All right, what's the competition in the area?" Where, you know, where are, are most of my patients going to come from? Is it worth me trying to do kind of everything and trying to hoard it all for myself or am I better off sending some stuff out so I can get more in return? I mean, there's, you know, some high level procedures that some of my partners do, you know, um, doing like endoscopic discectomies and, and things like that, that I could send them to him and, you know, and keep the money internal into the practice, but I could send it, or I could send it to a surgeon and then get five epidurals in return. So to me, it makes a lot more sense to send that one patient out and get five more in return versus keeping that one and trying to make as much money off of that one patient.
0: No, I, I totally get that. You know, cause you're, you're basically evaluating what services are paying for what and how are they impacting from that marketing effort that you're putting in? Um, cause that, that, that's what we would in a product world call, cac or customer acquisition costs is the cost to acquire one one specific you know patient and if the return is not as beneficial right from that that roi is not as beneficial from the time that you're putting in then why would you do that you would refer out right like and that's basically what you're saying referring out for the lower and and then taking in more of the things that actually have more value
1: right exactly so it's uh You know, like I said, and then it just keeps that referral, you know, that referral line open. So that now, you know, now the surgeon says, oh, you know, well, he sent me a couple patients this month, so I'm going to send him more back. Um, You know, versus if you try to keep everything internal, you're going to burn a lot of bridges real soon. And um, and that's going to dry up your referral pattern. So your uh, your referrals. So it's uh, sometimes it's not really worth trying to do everything all yourself. And it just it pays to just kind of send stuff out and just really focus on what your specialty is. Um, so that you can kind of spread the wealth a little bit and, and you know, kind of get some, something in return.
0: You mentioned something regarding uh, the referral patterns of patients talking to the refer- referral doctor, right? The one making the right. initial referral. Do you feel yeah. that holds more weight from the doctor hearing the level of service that was delivered by you? Or is it something that you're maintaining communication between the doctor who referred? Like, What do you feel more contributes to getting more patients your way?
1: I think a little bit of both, honestly. I mean, I think it definitely helps when patients come back and say, hey, this, you know, this doctor is great. I mean, I do it myself when, you know, if I, I refer a patient out to a certain physical therapist and that phys- patient comes back and says, oh my God, you know, they're, they're great. They're the best, best physical therapy place I ever went to you know, that to me is a little bit more confidence and um, I'm probably going to want to send more patients there because, you know, the, the quicker patients get better and the better they feel that reflects on me too, because they say, well, well, you referred me there, you did, you know, you made the right decision. So, um, so that definitely helps. Uh, but also, you know, just keeping that line of communication with open with the doctor too. So, you know, I'll talk to that referral source, you know, and, and you know, doing, meeting them for lunch or dinners or, um, just, you know, making sure to send over your, your notes, that you, uh, you know, when you saw the patient and you say, Hey, you know, I saw Mr. So-and-so this is, you know, the note from that day, you know, thank you for the referral. Thank you for letting me, you know, continue taking care of, of your patient. Um, and that, that goes a long way too, because I feel like a lot of people, um, tend not to do that or they end up sending the note, you know, four or five weeks later that at that point, you know, the, the patient's already been back to the referring doctor and he says, Oh, what did you feel? Oh, he did some injections. I don't know. I feel better. That's, you know, and then they like, "All okay, right, well, what happened?" <laughs> you know, so uh, so I think kind of keeping that line of of communication open, kind of throughout the treatment process, is, is super helpful as well.
0: Yeah, you know, you 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 said about fellowship. Your fellowship did give you some you know insight into how to start a private practice, or at least you know the ability to see how it's like to engage in a private <laughs> practice. Right. When going through that did they actually walk you through the acquisition part of it, the marketing part of it? Is that something that you were able Great. to?
1: Learn? No. So that I, I learned just being an employee um, for the company, um, you know, in terms of the, you know, the things I got from fellowship were really, you know, how to bill. Um, Cause I feel like residency, everyone's a level three, regardless of what you did for them. You know, it's, they don't really teach you billing. Um, so I learned how to, you know, appropriately um, bill and code patients uh, and just kind of more on the, you know, the, business side of things of uh you know covering overhead and, and things like that um, and then when I started so I, I you know straight started a fellowship when I was I actually found this company because I was interviewed for fellowship and I uh I, I interviewed with them for their fellowship program and I ended up staying at uh at my uh, same place I ended up doing residency uh and they uh but when it came time to look for a job I, I reached out to the you know the uh, the program director here and I was like hey you know I know you guys were Hiring fellows so, so that you could expand your your offices. Are you still looking to look into hire? And uh, and so you know, I, I came down for an interview, and, and I, I love the practice. And I uh, ended up staying on as an employee. So I worked here as an employee for two two and a half years uh, before we we opened up the East Brunswick location. Uh, and uh, you know, and for those first two years, I, I learned a lot about you know how to you know how to market yourself, how to um, you know, how to keep those, uh, you know, lines of communication open with referring doctors, um, you know, what what's involved in in opening up a practice. I mean, to be honest, a lot of it, I kind of just learned on the fly, you know, it's not something that you, you know, it's, it's when you kind of, when you're thrown into it, you're forced to learn it, you know? So there was no one who kind of sat down with me and was like, all right, this is how you do it. You know, this is how you do X, Y, and Z. It was more like, Hey, we're going to open up a practice. I was like, yeah, I want, you know, I want in, I want, uh, I want to be involved. And, uh, and then, you know, it was just as things came up, we, we kind of had to deal with it. So that's probably not the best way to do it, but uh, it's definitely the, the way that forces you to learn it the uh, the quickest, that's for sure.
0: Yeah, no, you're absolutely correct. That is the consistent theme that we have have gathered from a lot of doctors that... Start their own business, or even from a tech perspective, doctors that move into tech—they say exact this, the exact same thing. You you can prepare as much as you want, you know, going through getting your MBA, right. doing those different things, but until you actually engage on it and like and in, in hands-on yourself in real life that it, that's where you're going to learn how to do it. And I think that it applies in medicine too, right? It's like we can simulate yeah, a lot of different things until we actually have a hands-on patient and we're in that moment and we're like, we're the only ones responsible. That's where we learn really how to apply medicine. And so the, it's the same perspective for business. And so- right it's exactly what our goal is, just to help you and future doctors, you know, get into medical practice or at least the the theme behind operating a business as early as possible. So that way, when you actually go full time, it's not like a huge punch in the gut, you know, it's not starting right. at zero. You have some type of headwind that's going to lead you towards, you know, being more successful at, at operating your business. But I, I'm I'm curious to know as far as What happened after Was there anything specific for you that when you became a private practice owner from employment, like, did anything change? Did did you feel like, were you happier? Like, can you just walk
1: me through? Yeah, no, I was definitely, I was definitely happier. You know, at the end of the day, this is my business. It's my company. Um, So you definitely care about it much more than you do as an employee, as an employee, you know, it's, it's the company's responsibility to put patients on your schedule it's, you know, they're paying you, you're getting paid a salary, you know, you may have a bonus and, and whatever other you know kind of structure they you have. Um, but at the end of the day, it's the company's responsibility, to, you know, they're paying you. So it's their responsibility to put patients on your schedule. When it's your company, it's your responsibility. You know, if you, if you don't see a single patient that day, guess what? You don't make any money that day. Um, so it definitely drives you a little bit more. Um, you know, I always say I have a, I have all these gray hairs that popped up in the past couple of years. And I would say it's awesome starting this business. <laughs> it's, uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, what, you know, worrying about your business, is helps, you know, what keeps you up at night, but it's what also drives you to, to do better and, and make sure that you, you know, the next day you do, you do better and, and that you stay busy and that you, you know, you have a, you know, certain financial obligations you have to meet. And, and you, you know, you, you do your, your best to make sure you meet those.
0: Would you say that patients know a difference between you being an employed and you being a private practice owner? Do you think they have any understanding or insight to it being
1: better or is is it just the same? Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I think, you know, medicine is one of those weird fields where it's almost taboo to talk about the business side of things. You know, it's, it's taboo to talk about money. It's taboo to talk about, you know, doing something. Um, you know a certain way because it reimburses better this way or that way it's you know uh you know even patients you know they hate paying out of pocket for something if something's not covered by insurance, you say, well, this is you know we offer this for cash and like, oh well, you know, never mind no, oh, I'll just do whatever's covered by insurance um meanwhile, if you know a pipe bursts in your house and you call a plumber, you say oh, you know well this is this is the plumber's fee, you're gonna pay it because you want your pipe fixed well medicine i don't I don't think really works that way, but uh uh, you know, for for patients, uh, you know, some of them I think could pick up on it. Some of them don't. But I think at the end of the day, everyone's just trying to do what's, you know. At, at the end of the day, you want to do what's best for the patient, right? So, regardless of you know this reimburses more, this reimburses more, you're going to do what's right for the patient. So whether you're an employee or whether you're an owner, I don't think that um, that really comes across too much in most people. Um, for from the perspective, I don't know if you've uh, if you've seen any different. No, it's, I guess more my question was
0: leading towards are patients happier, you know, like what type of results are you seeing? Are they more engaged in their care? Do you find that you have more time to spend and and talk to them just because, you know, you're not set to that specific schedule that someone, you know, already has, you know, predetermined for you uh, you, that would normally happen in an employment type setting, you know, so I, I just, I definitely hear. Two different sides of it, I hear from the patient's perspective that you know they, they sometimes just want to get seen because that is yeah. really convenient for them at that time that they require you know treatment, but then I, I hear it from doctors who feel like they are working by schedule and not necessarily given the appropriate time that they feel that they could or should be giving to patients because they are limited by that specific timeline of 15, 20 minutes per visit that they have to rush through it. And it does set in to their level of care or the type of care that they feel that they're they're always trying to provide that high level of care, but time is a factor. And so, um, you know, I'm curious to know if doctors that move from employment to private practice do see a change in the interactions and how patients engage with them. You know, so that's something yeah. that I'm really curious.
1: Yeah, I think they do. I mean, you know, you definitely, I think you care more because you want to make sure that patient is happy, again, because you want that patient to then go back and tell their, you know, the, their referring doctor or their friends and family um, and and get you, you know, more patients, um, so I think you know, if there's an upset patient, as as an as an owner, as an uh, as a business owner, you're gonna you know kind of go out of your way to to kind of make sure that patient is happy, or just you know spend that extra time with that patient who needs a little bit more time because it you know again it's it's a reflection on your whole company. Um, versus when you're an employee, yeah, you you know you want that make that patient happy because they're still your patient, but you don't really care if they go and tell their friends and family and then bring in another five patients to the practice because unless all five of those patients end up on your schedule it doesn't really make that much of a difference to, to you as an employee.
0: You talked about previously giving speeches and are giving lectures to residents and fellows on starting business, you know, understanding the business, the healthcare economics behind starting a business from your interactions with, you know, giving those speeches and, and interacting with residents and fellows. What was some other concerns with starting a, a
1: practice? Uh, a lot of them just don't even know where to begin. Um, you know, uh, it's, you know, it's, they go from, all right, we're in residency, you know, medical school to residency, to to fellowship, you know, everything's always been kind of set for them and everything's just kind of, okay, this is the next step. This is the next step. This is the next step. And then suddenly you're just thrown out into the world and you're like, all right, now what? Um, so a lot of them, you know, they, they're not aware of re- some resources available to them, like, like you know, this podcast right here, um, or even there are companies out there that'll kind of help them get started with, you know, setting up a practice, finding them a location. Um, you know, they'll even do the management for them. Um, which is kind of a similar setup to what I have is a, basically a company that I hired that does, you know, they'll do my management. They'll do the billing that, you know, they do the hiring and the firing. They found the location, you know, they, they pretty much did the fit out of the, of the location and, and all that. So really all I did was I just showed up and I started seeing patients. Um, and, and kind of, you know, and I do a lot of the, the marketing stuff, um, in terms of the lunches and dinners and things like that. Um, but a lot of, you know, a lot of residents and fellows aren't even aware of these, of these resources that are available to them. And there are some companies that'll do it for, you know, a one-time flat fee and other companies that'll do it for a percentage for, you know, in, in perpetuity. Um, so depending on, uh, on the kind of relationship that you have with them. Um, but there's definitely options out there. Um, so it's not like you have to do everything on your own. It's, there's, there's, a lot of information out there and unfortunately residencies and fellowships aren't providing that information to to those physicians yeah you you actually described a lot of what we're doing at Docspace
0: you know um, the podcast and for is for the startup school and we're trying to just give out the free information give out that those things that are missing from the training programs that are, aren't passed and aren't provided we're, we're trying to provide that information finally for you know accessible in multiple ways um, but right. our overall product is exactly what you just mentioned is just to get them started to get them um, active if they want to lease a location find a location manage that location um, and we're turning traditionally what something was a fixed cost you pay you know you needed a loan or pay you know hundreds of thousands of dollars to get started it's now a subscription service so you just pay right. us a flat subscription cost per month and you get to manage your business how you see fit and grow it to yeah. whatever you want it to grow into and if that is you owning the physical space long term then in good you know we hope that you get there you know because that helps us grow you grow we, it's like it's this community of people who finally are able to bring private practice back and you know it, I, I, I like to know kind of the insights of why do you feel more are choosing employment over private practice. I know you talked about that they still know how to get started, but in your opinion, do you think that's the biggest motivator for,
1: for them not starting? I think a lot of it is they're afraid, um, in terms of the, uh, well, yeah, well, one is they don't know how to get started. And two is I think they're afraid of, of going up against insurance companies and, and trying to negotiate decent rates. um, because you know, the insurance company will basically say, well, all right, we, we have you know, five other physiatrists in this area, so we don't really need to pay you that much. But if you go out kind of in the middle of nowhere, then, well, you're the only physiatrist there, so you probably have a little bit more power to negotiate there than you do in a you know, very um, heavily populated area. Um, so I think that's, that's one thing is you know, they're afraid of well, what, you know, what kind of reimbursement am I going to get if I'm not affiliated with the hospital? So they have to go, you know, work for the hospital, get that name. And then they say, Oh, well, I'm part of, you know, so it's a hospital. So, you know, we'll give you the hospital's rate. Um, and I think that's what drives a lot of people is just, even when I was a resident, I know a lot of the uh, kind of volunteer attendings who, who did the clinics with us, uh, a lot of them had their own private practice and, you know, i them, like, what, well, is it really worth your time to be here? Like you're just, you know, sitting here for free for a whole afternoon. You're not, you know, you're not collecting what you would have been if you were in your office. And every single one of them gave me the exact same answer. They said, well, no, I need, I need to be affiliated with with the hospital so that I can get the rates. Um, so I think that's what a lot of of people are, are doing. Um, and, um, and then again, you know, you could be the worst doctor in the world, but if you're affiliated with a hospital name, people will still show up at your door because they, you know, they see the name and they say, well, this is, you know, he must be good because he's affiliated with this hospital. So, um, I think that, you know, that might be a factor for some people too.
0: you touched on something that I've been like really, really talking about for a good while, which is branding. The, the, (laughs) how hospitals have such a huge brand in their local regions that like you just said, if a, there is affiliation of a physician to a specific hospital that it will drive traffic. So that's why a yeah. lot do pursue that. And and th- th- that's one of the things is that I say, I feel like a lot of doctors now, or there are companies that are trying to push branding through SEO marketing on the individual, but right. the actual benefit is through kind of leveraging existing branding that already is around your area. And so, you know, it, uh, have you seen the kind of, since you do own your private practice, what do you feel is a higher contributor to your business? Is it being affiliated or is it, you know, having your own specific brand?
1: So I'm not affiliated with anybody. I mean, I have privileges at hospitals, a couple hospitals in the area just to do procedures, but I'm not actually affiliated with any hospital in this area. Um, I mean, I think a lot of it, it's not even the, the brand. I mean, honestly, I could change the name of my company tomorrow and also it won't affect my referral patterns whatsoever because people know me. You know, I'm the one who's I'm the face of the company. I'm out there every day. Um, you know, I'm meeting doctors and therapists and chiropractors and, and lawyers and, and all this thing. And it's you know, people know me, so I can, you know, change this the name of the practice tomorrow to, you know, Dr. Ibrahim's, you know, sportsness fine and and people will still come because you know, when you own the company it's it's your brand, it's your it's your face. You know, you're the you're the kind of mascot of the of the company. So it's not so much the the branding, uh, especially you know when, you know unless you become you know a huge like system like you know multiple practices uh, across like you know multiple regions, you know thirty forty practices. Then I think that's when it becomes like a brand issue. Um, but if you're one two three practices, in, you know kind of in, in the local areas, I don't think people really know. Like you know I'm you know part of performance minus sports medicine. I don't think anyone outside of you know, the areas where our practice are located, no performance finance sports medicine, other than maybe a few physicians here and there who, you know, we've met through networking events and, and things like that who've maybe heard of us. But from a patient perspective, I mean, if I go up to North Jersey, I don't think anybody up there knows who performance finance sports medicine is. But if I, you know, decide to open up a practice there, then, you know, you can sure as hell bet that people will know me because I'll be out there all the time and, and making sure that I'm in, I'm in their face to, to, to get my name out there.
0: Yeah. And, and I a hundred percent agree there because it, there is a specific branding that's important depending on your skill, right? How big you are. And then locally you're, you're, you're concerned about referrals. You're concerned about right. do other doctors know you do patients know you because you are the branding because it's you, right? It's, right. and it, I totally agree with that. Um, You know, I really appreciate this. I think this has been some really good information passed here, especially for doctors who are interested in starting their medical practice. I would like to leave it off on just if you can give us some quick advice or encouragement for doctors who are are looking to
1: start a private practice, what would you say to them? Yeah, well, the first thing is don't get overwhelmed. I mean, it's a lot of information to process and, you know, so the first thing to do is just do your research, just, you know, uh, don't settle for the very first, you know, manager company that you meet with or the first opportunity that you come across, um, do your research, take your time. Um, you know, I don't think it hurts to work as an employee for a year or two somewhere to kind of get your bearings and kind of learn a little bit more, uh, you know, on the inside of the, on the business side of things. Um, but like you know, like you said, docspace has got you know a ton of information out there there's multiple other companies out there that that can kind of do the same thing and, and help you get set up. Um, I think it's it's just about knowing what you want and and just kind of you know slowly planning it and, and going through the steps to to make it happen. Um, don't just kind of just try to rush into it and and I think that's when people get overwhelmed and and, and ultimately fail because they don't plan long term, and and they don't have that drive to to keep going every day to to keep you know marketing themselves and keep pushing themselves. And then I think that's when people get burnt out when they just say, you know what, this is this is too much. I can't do this anymore. I'm just I'm calling it quits. I'm just going to go work in academics.
0: Doctor Abraham, this has been a really great episode, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you again. Yeah, thank you. Anytime. Thank you for listening to the DocSpace Startup School podcast. Please check us out at startupschool.mydocspace.com for more video lectures and product demos. And don't forget to join the Docspace Startup School community to engage with other clinicians going through their journey of starting a medical practice.